social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. A problem with your heating system? Call R.E. Coogan Heating today, 401 732 6562. 24 hour emergency service, gas boiler, oil burner, Coogan Heating, 401 732 6562. They're helpful, trustworthy, reliable. Explore their services. Look for them on Facebook, and the website is recooganheating.com. Residential services, as Coogie says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. Plumbing, heating, and cooling from winter to summer. Trained technicians provide 100% service, one customer at a time. From service calls, maintenance agreements, to installation, RE Coogan Heating, proud to help residential customers, and they pride themselves making customer service and satisfaction a top priority. Call them today. Now it's cold. It's going to remain cold. Call Coogan Heating today, 401 732 6562. It's Coogie. It's 24 hour emergency service. Hey, not long ago, our hot water tank gave out. What did I do? Did I panic? Did I try to fix it? I called Coogan Heating 401 732 6562. Look for them on Facebook, and then the website is recooganheating.com. Petro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online on the website, petro.com. Well, Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott has finally done an interview. She did give some sound to Channel 12. Now, I want to also just preface this with I have a problem with the way this story was put together by the reporter from Channel 12 because they get into some areas that I don't think are relevant. But I do want to play it because they're the first ones to get some sound from her. This is the report from Channel 12 dollars a month as a consultant. Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott's contract is under scrutiny by Republican lawmakers, but Governor Dan McKee is standing by that agreement. All right, hold on. First of all, it's under scrutiny from everybody, not just Republican lawmakers. It's it's under scrutiny from the public. Let's get that straight. All right, let's hear the story. Which goes into effect in March. And new at five, we're hearing from the outgoing health director <clears throat> about that contract and what her future plans may be. Before I play this, I also just want to remind you, uh, I, I think when I've seen this story, there's no mention that she's taking the month of February off. There's no mention. She went in, said, here's my two-week resignation. Two weeks. That's it. Boom. So I'm done two weeks from today. Boom. See you. And then this ridiculous story where the governor says, she said, well, let's have your lawyers call my lawyers and we'll negotiate. I... I'm at a, still at a loss as what there is to negotiate when someone walks in and says, here's my two-week notice. So, uh, again, I also noticed, though, they didn't mention that so far in the story. Let's hear if they do. 12 News reporter Anita Buffoni oh, joins here us we in go. studio with those details. Anita? Well, Shannon and Mike, Dr. Nicole Alexander-Scott will make $138,000 over three months as a consultant for the Department of Health. Now, if you add that with her annual salary, payroll payroll records show she will make less than what two correctional officers made with overtime last year. That is what That is absolutely irrelevant absolutely irrelevant what are you talking about how did that make it into the story she's going to make less than listen they worked now there's some scam at the aci where these people work over 30 hours straight completely irrelevant to the story is the story about uh the pay for state employees that's not what this is the prison guards aren't involved with the pandemic completely irrelevant now, again, though, this is the same reporter. I was there. We were at the vets. It was December of 2020 when Channel 12, Anita Buffoni, put out Dr. Scott and I are the only women holding down the fort amongst a sea of men. What does that tell you? What does that even mean? Totally irrelevant. She resigned. Did the prison guards resign? which is still less than what does that have to do with anything irrelevant? All right, let's hear the rest of this. Under the terms of Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott's resignation deal, the outgoing director will serve as a consultant in March, April, and May, making $46,000 per month. During a pre-scheduled interview for an upcoming special, 12 News had the chance... No mention she's not working the month of February. 
No mention omitted. How is that possible? What, the month of February doesn't exist? Starting in March, well, I guess we're supposed to pretend February doesn't exist. No mention. Sloppy, very sloppy, but by design. Let it continue. To briefly ask Dr. Alexander Scott about her departure. Would you hire someone for that amount of money and any messages to people who are criticizing that? All right, now, first of all, I have a problem with the question. Would you hire someone for that amount of money? All due respects to Sheena Lushudo. How about take us through again exactly what happened? You went in and resigned in the middle of the pandemic. Ken Hospital's collapsing. Rhode Island Hospital's collapsing. Biden administration has to send an emergency medical disaster relief. You say, I'm leaving. How does it go from I resign and for the month of February, she's taking it off and getting $5,500 for the month COVID comp time to suddenly, boom, 46000 how did that happen? When you said to Governor McKee, I'll have my lawyers call your lawyers to negotiate, what was there to negotiate? You just resigned. Let's hear this pathetic answer. Yeah, uh, the expertise uh, that's necessary for anyone in this field at this time is something that um, certainly was taken into account when the governor uh, expertise then why are you leave giving us two weeks notice in the middle of the pandemic it's foolishness let's hear the rest of this answer offered this and so there you uh, go that's familiar to me oh governor mckee offered this boy that's not what he said he said it was negotiated he offered it why did he offer it why are you taking it what is she going to do for forty six thousand dollars for the month of may what a joke and my goal is to be able to provide the support and uh, set up for the smoothest transition possible. R.I.G.O.P. No mention of February. No mention of the month of February. February doesn't exist in the Channel 12 report. No mention of the month of February. Chairwoman Sue Sienke says the governor should be more transparent yes. regarding the terms of Dr. Alexander Scott's departure. Why don't you just say he was paying her out the terms of her contract? Yep. Stop the charade. Aside from her consulting gig, Dr. Alexander Scott's annual $143,000. Hold on. Aside from her consulting gig? How about unprecedented arrangement? God, this is a sloppy report. Salary is less than the two top officials who work beneath her. Irrelevant. What does that have to do with anything? What is the purpose of the story? She's leaving and they're paying her. Well, and now they put up on the screen. Tom McCarthy got this and uh, Dr. McDonald got this amount. Hey, listen, when she was the head of the Department, Rhode Island Department of Health, Ramundo was the boss. If there was some kind of problem with what she was being compensated for, that was the time to address it. That's what the female governor was paying the female director of the Island Department of Health. The job pays what the job pays. That's the time to address it, not as she's resigning with two weeks blanking notice. In 2021, Deputy Director Tom McCarthy, who was also leaving the department, made about $152,000. And Dr. James McDonald, Chief Administrator... Oh, no mention in this sloppy report that McCarthy left. What's he getting? What's his consulting agreement? He gave two weeks notice. No mention of this. Really sloppy officer made 190,000. As for her future plans, Alexander Scott declined to confirm or deny any interest in a congressional Please seat. Run. Please run. Please run. I'm keeping my options open. Please run. Now, this is the last week for Dr. Alexander Scott leading the department. They say she will have a more extensive interview on her departure in the coming weeks. Amanita Buffoni. You know, again, um, I, I just don't understand, uh, and folks, again, it's it's the John DePietro show. I, I just don't understand how are you not even mentioning uh, crucial parts of the story. That story does not make sense. It's biased. It is. Uh, it's tried to, that story is biased and trying to defend the amount of money that Dr. Scott is going to get. And it shouldn't be defended that way.
listen, this isn't this is ridiculous. And Governor McKee, his story just doesn't match. When someone resigned, that's the end of it. And you want to keep her on. She makes twelve thousand a month. So she doesn't have to come in. If you have a question, you call. She only gave two weeks notice. What did she work at the Home Depot? That story was designed to say, well, wait a minute. She's underpaid. There were people at the prison making more money. Look at these two men making more money. If she had a problem with what that she is a director, if she had a problem with what it paid, she should have had a long conversation with her boss, Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo, or she should have had a conversation with Governor McKee and said, hey, listen, if you want me to stay on in this job, it's been a lot of hours, you know, killing myself, then you need to step up and, and I need to make more. Th then that's the conversation. But this is a biased, jaded report trying to show, look what these two white men are getting. Who would object to this woman of color? $46,000 a month. No, it's very simple. And, and Susie Yankee wasn't wrong. Governor McKee wanted to get rid of her. She wouldn't resign. So in order to get her out of there, they had to buy her out and basically pay her a year salary, but she wanted it in three months. The rest of this consulting BS is just that, smooth transition. They don't even mention the month of February. You tell me, what's more important? Have smooth and communication now, next two to three weeks, or in May? You know why it doesn't make sense? Because it's not true. All right, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus. For heating and cooling, call Propane Plus today in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. In Rhode Island, Propane Plus number 401-885-4209. It's the Johnson family. It's Propane Plus, the leading full-service provider of propane to Rhode Island and southeastern Mass. Not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries, but they can service your entire heating, cooling system, and install any propane or natural gas appliances locations in east greenwich and also in rehoboth remember propane plus is energy for everyone it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and also now it's renewable online at propaneplus.com propane plus heating and cooling in massachusetts call the rehoboth office 508-252-3359 and in rhode island 401 885-4209. You can depend on Propane Plus. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining me right now, one of Rhode Island's top legal attorneys, and it is our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, let's start off. This is obviously uh, major news with... Um, Justice Brewer announcing that apparently he will be stepping down from the Supreme Court. What do we know about him? Uh, what is his record? And uh, it's still early, obviously, but how do you, what do you, this is a major news development. Yes. Well, Justice uh, Stephen Breyer was appointed by Bill Clinton. Uh, he's, so he's been on the court for quite some time. He typically, um, but not always, but typically votes with the more liberal wing of the court. Um, you know, the media likes to see, say that right now it's a 6-3 court. I, I see it more as still a 5-4 court because um, the chief justice is not, is not a reliable conservative vote on the court, as we've seen with Obamacare and several other decisions. Um, it's interesting that um, during the campaign and even today, um, President uh, Biden is uh, reaffirming his promise during the campaign that when he has the opportunity to appoint a Supreme Court justice, it will be a black woman. So it will be a black female jurist uh, who he nominates to go on the court. Now, Breyer... Um, says he's going to serve until the end of the term. Now, a term um, of the Supreme Court goes from the first Monday in October. Um, they typically stop hearing oral arguments, I think, round about May. 
Then they take the summer to write their decisions. Many of them will get published, you know, sporadically over the course of the summer. So when does he actually uh, step down from the court? Um, the timing will be critical, obviously, um, depending on the um, constitution of the, um, how the, how those U.S. senators can, constituted after the November elections. I mean, this is not a legal point, it's a political point, but this opening on the court, let's assume that the Senate does not um, affirm uh, President Biden's pick before November. Well, the next Senate could still be um, majority Democrat. It could flip and become majority Republican. Um, if Biden doesn't get his nominee approved before November, he could face some serious problems getting yeah. his nominee um, approved. Um, the fact that he wants a black woman on the court, that's, that's commendable. And I hope he picks the best candidate, not the best person who fits a racial and or um, um, sexual um, um, slot that he's got to fill. I think it would be great to have a black woman on the court, so long as it also happens to be the best qualified person. Sure. Um, time will tell. Um, it will, Breyer leaving and Biden putting on somebody who will likely be from the far, far liberal wing of jurisprudence won't change what's kind of a 5-4 court right now. Right. Um, but if he picks somebody who's young, and um, who could be on the court for a long time, um, just like uh, President Trump did, um, that will have, you know, they always say when the president's ability to pick a Supreme Court judge is amongst the most consequential acts that any president can take, because the consequences of that act, be they good or be they bad, will last for years. Look at right. when, look at when H.W. Bush yep. put, uh, Justice Souter on the court. I mean, he thought he could get that guy on from uh, New Hampshire. He was recommended by John Sununu. He didn't have much of a um, jurisprudence paper trail of reported decisions. He was sort of a blank slate. And once he got on there, he was not a reliable conservative at all. I think he surprised um, the president over and over and over again with his judicial independence and um, unpredictability. So yes. I don't think there'll be anything unpredictable about who Biden uh, nominates to the court. Um, it will be somebody who's, you know, I think a liberal justice through and through, and there will be no question about it. But this is a big, this is a big deal. And yep. I think this will motivate the liberal wants to make sure it'll, it'll affect Senate races. Yeah. In all likelihood, you know, some will want to keep the Democrat majority and some will really want to flip that majority because they don't want another liberal justice in the vein of uh, Justice Sotomayor. Hopefully we get somebody with um, a little bit more ability to keep up with current events than Justice Sotomayor has demonstrated recently. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert, Tim Todd. And Tim, um, the selection of the Supreme Court, um, I, I still go back to, as you and I have discussed in the past, the dynamic of it really seemed to change when, uh, at the time, Senator Ted Kennedy targeted Robert Bork and really went after him. And since then, um, that maneuver, I mean, in the past, my understanding, it was, it was kind of seen as, you know, listen, that's the president. They get a chance to get their person on the Supreme Court. But that, that Kennedy and what they did to Bork, that really set into motion now where we, we see these battles, obviously, that played out with both, you know, especially with Judge Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, and then we can go down the list. But um, is that fair to say that that really would just turn this into such a, a partisan fight? Yes. It, uh, Ted Kennedy created a new verb. He borked, he borked yeah. Robert Bork. That, that, you know, anytime a nominee gets borked, we all know exactly what's going on. Um, Robert Bork 
uh, love him or hate him, was, you know, a, a brilliant legal mind. He was a huge threat to the liberals yeah. on the court and the liberals in the Senate. Um, that would have been, um, sh- it would have shifted the playing field significantly. So the liberals had to take him out and they had to satisfy their liberal base of constituents. And Ted Kennedy um, went after Bork like no one had ever gone after, you know, a nominee before. As you say, the, the Senate previously had been, had been much more collegial. Okay, that's the president. Yeah. That's his right. Let's, let's just yeah. make sure he's not putting a raving lunatic on the court. If the person has, you know, sufficient judicial credentials, uh, whether we like that person's, you know, judicial philosophy or not, it's the president's pick. That will never be the case again. That genie cannot go back in the bottle. This is a hyper-partisan, vicious, um, take no prisoners now with every nominee. As you say, they look what happened with Judge Kavanaugh. That was an all-out attempt, no matter what they had to say or do, you know, they were going to, they tried to take him out by any means necessary, if you will. That's right. Um, they didn't do it so much with Gorsuch. They didn't do it so much with um, Amy Coney Barrett, but with Kavanaugh, they really, really laid into him. Now, question will be, what does, what do the Republicans in the Senate do if uh, President Biden nominates a uh, black woman? How about the vice president? Well, (laughs) well, there's speculation on that. That solves the problem of getting her off the ticket if you throw her out of the Supreme Court. And I, Tim Dodd, selfishly, I would really like to see that confirmation hearing in the Senate, the way she went after Justice Kavanaugh. Yes, I mean, I, I, I don't think it will be he, her. It's, it's nice to speculate because yeah. it would solve a political problem for yeah. the Biden administration. But whoever it is, Justice X, who's a black female, yeah. if that nominee is attacked based upon credentials, judicial philosophy, past writings, all the legitimate topics, it, will the media simply jump to up? Oh, this is sexist. Up, oh, this is ra- this is a sex- sexist attack. This is a racist attack. Right. Hopefully, it doesn't devolve into that because yeah. if a judge wants to make a run at getting on the Supreme Court, they have to know that their judicial writings, their history, their decisions is going to be scrutinized down to the last period and the last comma in every decision they've ever written. That yeah. comes with the territory. Tim Dodd, you do not, um, you don't think it may be, the, the move would be Harris. I, 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 don't, I don't know what type of difficulty. Now, she comes from the Senate, so she would certainly have some allies there. But you, you I, I mean, what is your view that potentially, um, there's certainly already a lot of speculation that, that that could end up being the vice president to save face, get her off the ticket, and then he could, you know, appoint someone else to be the VP. Well, I, I think they'll, I mean, I think that there'll be a large constituency of Biden supporters yep. who are looking there. There's one well-regarded, I, I don't know the names, uh, black female justice from the circuit court in D.C. And the circuit court in D.C. is typically a stepping stone to get onto the Supreme Court. Mm. So that justice, I think, would be, you know, in a very strong position. There's another judge out of um, California who I think has been touted and very well regarded. So I I think justices like the two I'm mentioning versus a lightweight like Kamala Harris, I think um, there'd be a lot of pushback against giving her that slot. It's a political perfect solution, but um, the court doesn't need another embarrassing pick. Yeah. Folks, quick break. A lot more legal expert attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro Show. Make Henry Oil your oil provider this winter. Give them a call today. Call Henry Oil, 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, serving most Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable, 
fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential and commercial, it's Henry Oil. Give them a call. Since 1947, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. Make Henry Oil your oil provider. 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Remember, online at henryoil.com. Go with the original. Go with the best. It's Henry Oil. We're speaking with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, this um, next story certainly has, you know, a lot of people paying attention. And, and Governor McKee really kind of kicked this into motion. I'm talking about Dr. Scott leaving as the head of the Rhode Island Department of Health. And according to Governor McKee, she resigned. He tried to talk her into staying, couldn't talk her into staying. She This then, according to him now, on the record with the press, kicked into her attorney speaking with the state attorneys. And they come up with this agreement where first of all she notified him in an email that tomorrow uh, the thursday would be his her final day so she's leaving uh last week of january the month of february she's tapping into some february comp time but then there's this unusual and i want to give credit to channel 12 broke the story arrangement that in uh, starting in march april and may um Governor McKee apparently signed off that uh, Dr. Scott, outgoing director of Rhode Island Department of Health, will now receive 46000 as a uh, consultant to the state, you know, and overseeing a smooth transition. Now, what seems odd is she's apparently not available for the month of February. She's taking it off. But this consulting, quote, agreement takes place in starting in March. I'm just curious of the, the nature of this. And we can only go on what, you know, they're telling us. But. This business that if someone went to, you know, if she went to him and said, listen, I want to resign. I'd really like you to stay. No, I'm going to leave. I have some other things I want to do, what have you. We then now they're negotiating with her team to get her this release and and settlement. It, It just seems odd that it's one thing if they went to her and said, we'd like you to leave. No, I don't want to resign. All right, well, let's come up with a number. But just I, we can only go and take the governor at his word. It just seems odd that they she has a contract with the state. I don't know where this post negotiation start if the person is seemingly resigning. Based on what we know, yeah. As of as of today, this makes no sense. No. Um, it's like, what else can Governor McKee do to self-sabotage his re-election chances? It's <laughs> unbelievable. Right. It is. But, Talk about a self-inflicted wound. So Dr. Scott has an employment contract. We have not yet been made privy to all the provisions of that contract, but she gave very short notice that she was resigning. Now, if, the, if her contract provides that she can give 14 days notice, 20 days notice, two months notice, whatever the heck it might be to um, give notice that she intends to resign, so be it. If there's not that provision and she says, I resign, well, I mean, could she be in breach of the contract? Is there something in the contract that she's saying, I'm resigning because the state has complied with conditions X, Y, and Z within my employment contract, I cannot continue, you are in breach, so I resign. There's got to be something where she's got leverage to say, you have not fulfilled your obligations under the contract state of Rhode Island, I can't work under these conditions, I resign. Now, she might have otherwise had a... um, lawsuit against the state maybe and this is all speculative Uh, her contract might have provided for some sort of golden parachute after so many years of service we don't know that but for her to say i resign i'm done i'm burnt out whatever the case is but i'll come back for forty six thousand dollars a month for three months a month um now, as a consultant, well, I guess there's no need to have a consultant for the month of February because she's not going to be around. She's right. using, I guess, some sick time or some comp time. So where's the exigent circumstance that we need to have this very highly paid consultant 
if we don't need one for the next month in the middle of this alleged Omicron surge that the media talks about incessantly. Uh, it, it seems from all reporting that Omicron is somewhat on the downward spiral. Yep. Thank God. Thank yeah. God. Not yet. People are still getting sick, unfortunately. There are deaths that are still occurring. I'm not diminishing the significance of Omicron, no. but it is in becoming something that's in our rearview mirror. Right. Now, it seems to me that in February, it might still be something of considerable importance, but Dr. Scott won't be around. Um, May, March, April, and May, who knows? You know, it seems to me most countries that got hit hard with Omicron um, have already seen it rapidly subside after it reaches its peak. I, I'm, I'm perplexed as to why the governor would give her such a real sweetheart deal. Um, and if she thinks that the public is going to be enamored with her charging the state 46 K a month for three months after she resigns, and then she's going to run for Congress. Um, <laughs> I think I, she better I'd think like twice. To see that campaign speech <laughs> again, folks, so with attorney Tim, Dodd. Tim, but just to backtrack on this, I'm just trying to picture an employer. Where now again, this is different because there's an employment contract and agreement and so forth. But you know, where the employee comes in, you know, I'm gonna that's it, I'm resigning. This is my two week notice. I'd really like you to stay. Nope, my mind is made up. I will now have my attorneys contact you to negotiate my exit package. It just to me, it, it, it sounds like something is missing here, other than and I, I don't want people to misunderstand what I'm gonna say, but ultimately. My understanding, the agreement, and I have actually been in this myself, where what they're actually buying for is just silence. They both parties reach an agreement. Okay, we will pay amount in in accordance to and with the understanding that this individual is not going to start doing all these interviews, blabbing. You know, Governor McKee did this. Governor McKee did that. This was wrong. When they said this, that wasn't true. What, what ultimately, seemingly, was your salary in the span of three months, but this, this element of, a, of a, you know, a, a consultant role where she doesn't have to come in, they're going to call her if they have a question, it, it, just, it just seems unprecedented and it's odd and it, it, it's as if there's something missing here that hasn't been revealed. There, there, there almost has to be something yeah. missing here that hasn't been revealed. Otherwise... There's no justification for this. Why are lawyers um, negotiating in the first place if she's simply resigning? Right. If her lawyers tell the state's lawyers that, hey, listen, she's resigning because of these improprieties and she's going to have a lawsuit and that precipitates this um, uh, creative way to give her some money without it being through litigation and they're going to otherwise then release she releases the state and vice versa. I don't know. Um, you agree. It, it doesn't. I mean, the whole thing is just odd because Tim Dodd, if, 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 if you know, the, the, the first Dr. Scott goes to the governor, I'm going to resign. I want you to stay. No, nope, my mind is made up. This is two week notice. Okay. And, you know, well, the end of January, the two weeks you get your pay. Apparently, she has some COVID comp time coming, and and that is the end of the relationship. I I don't understand what what they're even negotiating. If in well, fact, if it is as the governor lays it out to be. Well, John, the only other thing that is being reported is I think two weeks before Doctor Scott resigned, her deputy um, resigned. So the deputy director of the Department of Health, my understanding is, resigned. So is there some problem within that department vis-a-vis the governor's office? It seems odd that within a two-week period, the director of of health and the deputy director of health both resign. So, I mean, you could say, what's up with that? Is there some problem going on within that department? that 
the rest of the story hasn't come out yet. It's 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 just odd that both people would resign so quickly. One would think if that deputy hadn't resigned, that that person would have become the acting director of health sure. seamlessly. Yeah. That person would have continued to get their pay, and there'd be a search for a new director of health. It's it's an odd circumstance that now the state is left with no director and no deputy director of health. And one more question on this, Tim Dodd, before we break in, and that is there's some people trying to say, well, you know, during the course of doing the job, it's my understanding the doctor, that position, it's the position pays roughly $12,000 a month. And now all of a sudden with this new consulting agreement, she's going to make $46,000 a month. But it comes back to some people are trying to float out. Well, you know, she worked hard during the pandemic. She was underpaid. But Tim Dodd, legally, again, if we're taking them at their word, Listen, I want to resign. Here's my two-week notice. Oh, and by the way, I think you underpaid me. I put in a lot of time. I think you owe me a lot of money. I'm just saying, again, without knowing all the details, but just based on what they've told us, Tim Dodd, I, I just don't see where legally, if someone is leaving, the employee is leaving the employer, they start making these demands and Oh, and by the way, the past two years, I think you didn't pay me what I should have been making. So therefore, you're going to pay me now. That's a plausible scenario. But again, the governor has said, yeah, I think we're paying her a lot of money. Yeah, I I think it's a lot of money. But without giving the context of why this came to be. Right. um, He's really leaving the public he's leaving the public to scratch its head saying, what the heck is going on here? This doesn't make sense. Um, so maybe he can't explain it. Maybe he's not allowed to explain it. Right. Maybe he doesn't know how to explain it, but yeah. there's something that we don't know of significance because this otherwise makes zero sense. No folks, quick break, a lot more legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro show. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. Were you in an auto accident, someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen, whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, They're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident, drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender bender, even a nearly totaled vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. They'll handle everything for you, the original, the best. And if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401 272-3340, 401-272-3340. West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired. 401-272-3340. We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, now we're going to go through some of the national stories. One of them, uh, there have been some developments with this Alec Baldwin case. Yes, this this is something that's been lurking out there. Um, the injury in this case occurred in New Mexico. Yep. Um, and let's assume that it happened in Rhode Island, and the cinematographer was a direct employee of the production company. And again, she might have been an independent contractor, but let's assume she was an employee of the production company that was making this film, and she gets injured at work. And now, in this case, she got shot and she got killed. But let's make it something different. She trips and falls at work and breaks her arm. And she's out of work for a while. Well, that would be a workers' comp claim. Yeah. Okay. Because you were injured at work. You get paid workers' compensation. And when your injury uh, is um, healed, you go back to work. And if you're left with a scar, you get paid. If you're left with a loss of use, you get paid. If you die, you get paid certain amounts under the comp statute, which is a no-fault system. Now, if Alec Baldwin is the employer as part of this production company, 
and he, through whatever negligence, carelessness, whatever, um, is holding this weapon when it discharges and kills the cinematographer, arguably that's a comp case. This happens many times in private industry. Mm. Um, somebody is at work, they work on a machine, the machine cuts metal, um, the machine doesn't have uh, appropriate warnings or appropriate safety and, you know, safety equipment. And the employee, while using this uh, equipment, uh, unfortunately loses a few fingers. They get cut off. Happens all the time, unfortunately. Now, that's a workers' comp case. Right. The only way the employee can do something more, the employee can't say, hey, employer, you should have had a better machine in here, so I'm suing you. No, comp says, no, all you get is comp, no matter what the circumstances. However, if there's a third party the employee can go after, like the manufacturer of that um, equipment that the employer bought and brought onto the um, facility, yep. you can sue as a third party claim hmm someone other than your employer. You can't sue your employer for more than comp. So Alec Baldwin is saying all that we're exposed for is what the cinematographer could have got through comp. I have no additional personal exposure financially for these injuries. Oh. Now, if you can go after the gun manufacturer, I mean, I'm, I'm speculating, well, that would be a third party that you could go after. If the um, if the um, wrangler of the the armorer was also working for the production company, well, you you really don't have nowhere to go. Right. If the armorer was an outside employee working for a different company, you could potentially go after that entity and its insurance. So Alec Baldwin may have a reasonable argument. Now, if there's gross negligence in some jurisdictions or if there's criminal conduct on the part of the employer, that can be a way around the uh, workers' comp exclusivity bar. That's what we call it in Rhode Island, the exclusivity bar. But as we sit here right now, there's no criminal charges pending against Alec Baldwin. And there's no suggestion so far that he um, engaged in gross negligence or, you know, any other conduct that's tantamount to criminality. So he may have it out. Folks, we're speaking with our legal uh, expert, uh, Rhode Island attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, what about, I, and, you know, I wasn't even aware of this. Rhode Island's one of the only states that bans happy hour. I, I, some, I was with someone this afternoon even told me that, that, um, that, that 42 other states have have happy hour. I do remember uh, in the 80s, it's, it started, I think it was even Governor Preet even went out with someone to get a drink and suddenly when they were both ordered a drink, four drinks appeared on the table and that stopped the, the two for one. Um, is, is this something that, that you think that le legally they may lift the ban on that? Well, legally right now, you can't have a happy hour that's consistent with Rhode Island legislation on this topic. Rhode Island joins, I think, seven or eight other states, Alaska, Vermont, North Carolina, Massachusetts, yep. Indiana, and Utah, saying you can't have a happy hour. Hmm. Um, a lot of politicians in Rhode Island are right now jumping on board saying, yeah, we should bring back the happy hour. It would be good to help out bars and restaurants who are struggling right now. Yep. In the 80s, I can remember vividly, you could go into bars between 4 and 6 p.m., yep. uh, and there were two-for-one specials. Yeah. There were other, spin the recall, wheel. The beat the clock, spin the wheel. Right. There were all sorts of gimmicks. Um, you know, I think the Rhode Island Hospitality Association, who represents the industry, would tell you that, you know, um, uh, owners of restaurants and bars are kind of split on this. I mean, there's certainly more profit for a bar or a restaurant when they sell alcohol versus food. But do we want to bring back the old days? I mean, the um, ban on happy hours started because of some deaths which were alcohol related, right. which, you know, it was kind of at the same time that uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving was yeah. getting going. And there was a push nationally against excessive drinking and then getting on the road and driving. So 
who's going to be the politician who says, yes, I think there should be more drinking between four and six and potentially putting people on the road who could cause others harm. Uh, there's other consequences. The bars might make a little bit more money by selling a little bit more booze. Um, can they be forced to also sell food? Okay, I'll give you a two for one with your drinks, but you got to order an appetizer. Okay, mm. I'll order the appetizer, but I'm not going to eat it. I'm just going to drink the drinks and not yeah. eat the food. I mean, what do you do with that? The other thing that it will likely do is up the cost of liquor liability insurance for the bars or restaurants. Right. And you right. can see that the right now bars and restaurants have to have, I think it's a minimum either 350 or a half a mil in um, liability insurance. If they bring back this happy hour and there starts to be more incidents of um, injuries caused by drunk motorists who have left happy hours, um, you know, liability insurance for liquor liability will go up. Um, the, Rhode Island will make uh, bars and restaurants carry more mandatory insurance. So, you know, the bars might be dazzled by the notion they'll get more receipts for selling booze, but then they're going to offset that by the additional costs they're going to incur sure. and, the and the bad public perception that this might show. I understand yeah. as a restaurant or a bar, you want to sell as much food and, and beverages as you can. But um, I, I think um, Seth Magazine is for it. I think um, Helena Folks is for it. Um, they're getting out front saying this is a good idea. Um, but I think it needs quite a bit more uh, analysis before it's put into action. Um, yeah. A bar owner told me he thinks that it could get people to go out more like, you know, you do it like on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday when they're a little slower and then maybe people would go for a few hours. So uh, people would just go out more if, in fact, that the, the drinks were. You know, well, that, and that's the that's the idea. And yeah. the, the other talking point is it doesn't cost the state of Rhode Island anything to effectuate this. It's True. like a free way to yeah. um, give businesses a shot in the arm without yeah. spending tax dollars to do so. Tim Dodd, what are we to make of this special grand jury apparently to be seated in the probe of uh, President Trump still going back to the situation with the Georgia election officials back in the, the fall of 2020 into January of 21? Well, just like we spoke about last week, Letitia James in New York is um, yep. doing this uh, investigation ad nauseum against uh, the president, his kids, the Trump organization. And always putting out these little points for the media to latch on to without saying there's a definitive crime. It looks like it could be. Um, it's a great headline for the media that wants to report negative inferences against the Trump organization and the president. Yep. But. This is another one. Is it there or is it really not there or is it just a political headline? So. The, the district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia, has requested a grand jury because that DA says there is, quote, a reasonable probability that Georgia's administra administrator of elections in 2020 was subject to possible criminal disruptions. And they're looking into whether there were unlawful attempts to alter the outcome of the election. Now, this all goes back to the president's perfect phone call. <laughs> he always calls his phone, her phone calls are perfect. When he spoke to the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, yep. saying, you got to find me some votes. Yeah. I think that was the sum and substance. 11,780. Yeah, you got to go find me some votes. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean go phony up some ballots for me? Does that mean go back and do a recount on the machines? Right. Does that right. mean go back and look at the software in the, um, in the uh, computerized voting system? What does that mean? Now, um, Raffensperger said, oh, I felt pressured. Oh, really? You felt pressured? That's not necessarily criminal. Right. Um, this has been looked at. I mean, there's no mystery. This is a uh, phone call that's been out in the media yep. for what, one and a half years. Yeah. And suddenly the, this uh, DA says, I need a grand jury to look into this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> suspect. 
Well, yeah, but it's a good headline and it's it another is. opportunity for someone with a political motivation to say, I'm impaneling a grand jury to look at the Trumps. Um, and in this one also, um, they're also looking at uh, Lindsey Graham because he apparently had a follow-up discussion with the Secretary of State Raffensperger. And he might have said the same thing. Can you go back and look at the election results? Was there any shenanigans? You know, were there any paper ballots that you think the signatures are phonies? Who knows what Lindsey Graham spoke to this guy about? Right. But it's a long way from impaneling a grand jury to getting a criminal conviction. But, you know, for the consumption of the media right now, um, they're crowing about this because it gives them another negative Trump story for better or for worse. Quick, quick break. A lot more attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro show. Brothers disposal call brothers disposal today. Get a purple dumpster for your driveway how do you know it's brother's disposal because it's a purple dumpster look for them on facebook and give them a call for an estimate 401-688-0517 get a dumpster in your driveway maybe you're cleaning out your basement your garage unwanted belongings maybe you just have some things in boxes that you've never taken out clean it out with brother's disposal they're also now offering weekly trash collection services call brother roland today at brother's disposal 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven. Whether it's a small household construction project or you just need a dumpster to get rid of some unwanted belongings, call Brothers Disposal today. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal four zero one six eight eight zero five one seven. Look for them on Facebook. Brothers Disposal. Get a dumpster in your driveway. Four zero one six eight eight zero five one seven. Portion of the John DePietro Show brought to you by Realtor Pat Elston. Call Pat today. Four zero one. 474-5253. There's a link right directly to her on the website, dipetro.com. Caldwell Banker Realty, based in Cumberland, 20 years experience, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Pat services all of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Contact Pat Elston today, 401-474-5253. And you can find her right on the website, dipetro.com. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Check out the website, dipietro.com. We have original, unique, exclusive stories, videos, content, all our links to social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. It's all right there, and that's also the best way to reach me. Log on at the website, depetro.com, dipietro.com. Well, health continues to be an important part of our daily lives. That's why you need to stop in and see the queen of health. It's Maria. It's my health because it's your health. But it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Look for her on Facebook. You can also call her at 401-305-3585. You know where she is, right in that very majestic old white church diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant. It's my health. And inside, pop in. You'll see vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like Isae, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Wait till you see the selection. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, spices purchased by the ounce plus boxed herbs and teas plus hemp and CBD products. Stop in natural skincare products, hair care products. It's my health, because it's your health. Stop it and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. 